Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. fans welcome in this is the crimson corner podcast it's always powered by kslsports.com and i am your host and youth insider trevor allen thank you guys so much for tuning in to another great episode of the crimson corner podcast have a good one coming up something i'm going to be doing from time to time i'm going to try at least get in one or two of these interviews per month we're going to catch up with former youths who maybe didn't go on to play in the league which is fine. I mean, you know how hard it is, but still had a great career at Utah, but are now doing other things in life and, and making a good impact and just seeing what they're doing. I know that there's a lot of athletes out there who used to play at the University of Utah, whether it's basketball, football, or really any, any sport, but I want to catch up with them to see what they're up to and, and how they're enjoying life and also what they've been doing since playing in college and how they like their time playing in college. So today's guest will be Sean Harper, former Utah cornerback. He's now the cornerback's coach for the Weber State Wildcats, one of the many Utah alums that are on Jay Hill's staff. So we'll talk to him about his time playing for three different coaches at Utah and now coaching under Jay Hill at Weber State as Coach Hill continues to do a fantastic job with that Weber State program. If you guys head over to kslsports.com, you guys will find out, as you've probably seen, according to reports from Steve Bartle and Brett McMurphy, sounds like Utah is going to be adding Oregon to their college football schedule in 2020. Obviously, if we were going off of the old schedule, this would be the last year of, of two years without playing Stanford or Oregon as they would be added onto the schedule and two other teams from the Pac-12 North would be taken off of Utah's schedule for two years. But it sounds like that they're going to a 10-game schedule, and Oregon will be that one conference team added to that schedule. Again, schedule details are supposed to come out no later than this upcoming Friday, so we should have answers by, by sometime either before or on Friday. So make sure you guys check out kslsports.com for that, and you'll also find where I listed my positives and negatives of playing Oregon and you know, one of the things, too, is, is that according to the report is that Utah will open with Oregon at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Now, here's, here's the way I look at it. The positives. It's great. You're playing a, a team who's supposed to be the uh, favorite to win the Pac-12. They have a really good team coming back, was able to get one of the best recruiting classes, not only in the Pac-12, but in the entire country. And the roles have kind of flipped. I mean, they, they still have a really good offense, but 
they ran by their O-line last year, led by Desert Hills alum Panay Sewell. But then you also have C.J. Verdell, who won the Pac-12 championship game MVP in their win over Utah. And you also had Justin Herbert, who went on to be a top five draft pick. Now, you kind of change it, and you have a lot of guys coming back. Javon Holland at safety. You have a really good D-line behind Kayvon Thibodeau. And you also have Noah Sewell, the Orem alum, who was the number one recruit in 2020 in the entire state of Utah and one of the top linebackers in the entire country, along with others. You also have Justin Flo, who I think was the number one prospect out of California at linebacker. So they are stacked on defense. Now, for Utah, the roles have kind of flipped as well. Obviously, last year, you look at it, defense was really, really good. Now you're flipping to where you even heard Phil Still say on this podcast, Utah will have a potent offense. So I'm really interested to see how how Utah's offense stacks up against Oregon's defense. You're also playing at home, whether you have fans or not. So it'll be interesting to see how this veteran group handles such a tall task in going up against that really good defense. And then some of the negatives, obviously, if, if the game is played in Salt Lake City, and it is played in the fall, it's very unlikely that it will be played without fans or a limited amount in attendance. It won't have the same feel as a jam-packed stadium. It just won't. It won't be that home-field advantage. I mean, you're still at home. You're still, you know, not having to fly or anything like that, or it still won't be as good as a jam-packed Rice-Eccles Stadium where the muss is going nuts and, you know, 45,000 proud are in that stadium rooting for the Utes. And another negative, too, is that it's, and this is more if it is indeed the opener, is that Utah's schedule, they normally line it up to where they like to kind of ease into the season before taking on a daunting task in, you know, Pac-12 play. And I'm not saying that BYU is, you know, an easy opponent, but it's been easier in years past. I mean, many of us would agree on that. And so, rather than that, you're jumping into the fire and playing Oregon, who's a really good football team. And also, you're doing that without spring ball to get these guys ready. Yeah, you're going to have fall camp or training camp of some sort, but you're not going to be able to have that luxury of being able to develop players during spring ball, especially when you have so many new players on this roster. So you guys can check that out over at kslsports.com. Something that we're going to be doing here on the Crimson Corner podcast is uh, every now and then I, I want to catch up with some guys who played for the University of Utah, guys who had a, a major impact on the program at some point in time in their college career, and I want to see what they're doing years later now that their uh, college career is over, but see, see what they're doing in life. And so uh, we're going to start off with a guy who is right here in our own backyard. He is the current cornerbacks coach for the Weber State Wildcats, former Ute, played for the Utes from 2002 to 2005. We bring in former cornerback, Sean Harper. Sean, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you, Trev? Doing good. So I'll just ask you right off the bat, as a guy from San Diego, California, what made you come and play for the University of Utah? Well, um, I remember back in 2001 um, when Ryan McBride came into my into my living room in San Diego, California. And um, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that, that moment. I'll never forget that time. Um, Coach McBride was just one of those, just one of those, those guys that you just genuinely love. He's just so authentic. He's just such, uh, just a people's person. And so, 
Um, I took my official I took my official visit up here to Salt Lake, and I just fell in love with the place. And I knew this is where um, I wanted to be. So you uh, joined the Indians, you know, obviously played for three different coaches. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But what are some of your favorite memories, like maybe plays you made or just games or even some stories that uh, happened, you know, in the locker room or anything like that from your time as a youth? Well, what what I can say just overall, just as my career, I was very I was very blessed to be a part of such good teams, such great teams, actually, you know, um, from, you know, the Coach McBride, which I, I redshirted my first year, so there wasn't, you know, a whole lot there. But um, after Coach uh, McMire, uh, Coach Meyer came in, um, we, it was, uh, it was amazing. It was, it was amazing. We, you know, won the Fiesta Bowl, obviously, the 2004 season. Um, and I know the, the Cal game um, that year, the, the, uh, the Oregon game that we played when I was a when I was a redshirt freshman, um, there was just a there's a lot of great uh, wins. We had a lot of great wins um, in that in that time, and even with with coach with coach uh, Whittingham, coach Whittingham, um, we were able to win a lot of games. We were able to go to a bowl game every year that I played. So um, I was I, I was just my overall career. I was just very blessed to be able to. Um, just play for such legendary, iconic coaches. As I mentioned, you ended up playing for, for Coach Mack, for Urban Meyer, and Kyle Whittingham. I mean, it was a little bit different with Coach Mack, having not actually played in that year, still being around the guys and being around him, and he was the one who brought you to Utah. What was it like playing for each of those guys? Because I know that they're all very different in their coaching styles. They are very different. Um, again, like going back to Coach Coach Mack, Coach Mack was just such a, a hands-on, just – you know, people person, you know, you just loved his, his energy and you loved uh, the way he coached. He was, he was very uh, tough nose. He's very hard, hard nose. And, you know, he was, he was about the X's and O's of the game. Uh, Coach Meyer, Coach Meyer was uh, a young, hungry, um, just energetic, you know, and very, very, very um, hard nose as well. Uh, Coach Meyer, he, you know, he expected a lot out of you. Um, there was, you know, there was a time where I know when he first came in and I remember the very first workout that we had with Coach Meyer, I believe after that workout, we probably had 25 guys that that transferred after that. And so it, it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy. It was it, it, Coach Meyer came in and he. Um, he really he really demanded, you know, the best out of you and you were either going to get on his train or, you know, you weren't going to be a part of the program. And so, and there's no, there's really no secret as to how great and one of, and, and him being one of the greatest college coaches ever. Um, there's just no, I, you know, you look back on that and, and I, you could just, you, you didn't know how great he was back then, but then, you know, with him leaving, going to Florida and then obviously in Ohio state winning a couple of national championships, he's just, you know, he was, he's just one of a kind. He's one of a kind. And then, you know, Coach, Coach Witt, Coach Whittingham, is, is, it was kind of the same. He was, he, he's the same as far as mentality with um, the same as in, in Coach Meyer and being very detailed, being very, you know, being very direct. He's, um, you know, and, there, and there's no secret and there's no surprise as to how well, um, you know, the youths have been, have been doing. Uh, over these last, over these last, I mean, you know, 10, 15 years. So, I mean, again, they were all different in their, you know, um, just personalities, maybe I'll say, but at the same time, they still were kind of the same, 
as far as um, coaching style and, you know, demanding, demanding the best, demanding uh, everything out of you. So over the last couple of months, I've talked to some of your teammates from the Urban Meyer days, and uh, they were talking about how his practices and training camps were so hard that they were thinking about hanging up the you know cleats and, and stop playing the game. Did you ever think about that when you were playing and going through uh, some of the really tough stuff that Coach Meyer put you guys through? Oh, no, not not at all. Not at all. Um, I needed a coach like that. I needed somebody to push me um, into the into, you know, getting the best out of me, getting the best out of me, getting the best of uh, out of my um, of my potential, my, you know, the best of my abilities. And it challenged you. It was a challenge, you know. So you go out there and, you know, he really wanted to challenge you mentally. Um, he has a bachelor. I think he has his uh, – Coach Meyer had his uh, – he had his master's in psychology. So, you know, that goes, you know, that goes hand-in-hand with the game of football. And it's a, you know, it's a very – it's a very mental game. And so, you know, just as, just as it is physical. But – um, I never, I, it never crossed my mind once. I knew that there was, I knew that we had a special team. Um, I knew that, you know, we were working harder than anybody else in the country. I knew we had the coach and we had the coaches around us and people, what people don't realize is that, um, he, coach Myers surrounded himself with, I mean, head coaches to this day, Dan Mullen, um, you know, Mike Sanford, coach with, I mean, uh, coach Sataki, you know, Brent Myers, who's also, you know, there's just, I mean, just legendary coaches, you know, just very, very Jay Hill, Coach Coach Hill, um, just well-respected coaches. Gary Anderson. Around, Gary Anderson, you know, I, it, again, it's just kind of the list goes on. You know, Billy Gonzalez, it's just, there was just so many great coaches. And, you know, it, it, again, it was just no secret as to the success that we had. Um, it was, it was just a great, it was a great time. It was a great time. I don't, I don't regret anything about it about two weeks ago that I was able to talk to uh, Urban Meyer here on this podcast and one of the things I took away from it is just because back then I just followed the youth as a fan I didn't I didn't start covering the team until 2010 and so you know following the team I kind of noticed that when Urban was there he really took that program to the next level obviously you guys went on to to do things that, that no other school had done at that time but he also I think putting them onto the college football map I mean seeing it from prior to Urban to past Urban to now, how much of an impact was Urban Meyer to that program? He changed it. He completely changed the Utah program forever, really. And he really uh, set a bar. He set the, 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 the highest bar for us to succeed. And he, there was a blueprint in the way he did things, very methodical, just, you know, his coaching style, just everything. He changed the mentality of the program and not to say that you know before then Utah because Utah was always known as a you know hard tough nose defense you know um just always had that but you know I think he was able to just as far as the mindset as far as understanding and getting his players to understand that we were we worked hard enough that we'd be successful and you know and and that's kind of the mindset that you that you have to have, you know, to be successful in, the, in college football. You know, there's a lot of great teams out there, um, a lot of great coaching out there. And so um, you really have to, you know, there's a there's a dedication, there's a there's a discipline, there's a commitment, there's, you know, there's all those things that um, that are ingredients to, to being successful. And 
you know, I think when, when Coach Witt, I think Coach Witt was already, he, he had already um, that ingrained in him as well. And so when he took over, it was just kind of, you know, it, w- it was basically like clockwork, really. Um, and so it was, it was just, he just, again, he was a difference maker. He, you know, he demanded the best out of you. And, you know, he changed the Utah program forever, for sure. As you look back on it, how would you sum up your time at Utah just from, you know, if you were to put everything together and just sum it up in, in uh, you know, a couple of thoughts, especially as you look at it, you know, years later, how would you sum up your time at the University of Utah? Successful. Successful. Um, again, as I alluded to earlier, I was able and was blessed to be able to play a bowl game every single year that I played up there. Like, no – there's not a lot of kids. There's not a lot of athletes that have been a part of programs who had even gone to one, that have even experienced one bowl game. So for me to go to four bowl games, uh, four big bowl games, and then huge, obviously, the you know, being a part of the, you know, 2004, 2005 Fiesta Bowl, BCS, busting, uh, BCS Busters, it was, you know, it was, I mean, it's the best time. It was the best time of my life. It was the best time of my life. And, you know, again, I don't regret, I don't regret a single thing about uh, deciding to come to Utah and play for the youths. You're obviously coaching now, but how did that path kind of go after you graduated from Utah? What was kind of the next thing for you? Um, so I did a, a, a brief GA stint up at Utah State when Gary Anderson got hired the, the, the first time. And then, um, you know, there were some, some things that, you know, it just didn't just kind of pan out at the time. And and honestly, I, I went into just getting a just getting a job. I ended up getting into the medical field, and um, I've I've been working in the medical field for over ten years now. And so that's not something that I went to school with or went to school for, but um, just kind of ended up getting a job, and I actually ended up loving it and be and being real successful in in the, in the medical field. Um, but then um, I got a call um, maybe about three years ago. Uh, from a former teammate, Casey uh, Satera, who was actually a defensive coordinator um, down at, at Corner Canyon. I got a call from him, and he asked if I, you know, if I could come out and, you know, coach, coach the DBs, coach the uh, freshman and sophomore DBs out at Corner Canyon. So I was out there uh, about three years ago. I, I uh, coached for them for two years, and then that's when I got the call last year from, from Coach Hill. Um, about this position, about this open vacancy. Did you ever think you were going to coach? I didn't, honestly. I, I I knew I always wanted to be around the game. I just love football so much. College football is the best sport in the world. And the, 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 the environment, just the camaraderie, just, I mean, it's, it's hard to And I just believe, again, it's just the, it's the best. And I knew I just wanted to be a part of it. And I knew if I could be able to reach just a couple kids, just even one kid and, you know, kind of turn his game around and try to and, and turn his mentality around about, you know, just school, um, you know, just social life and, and obviously with football, then that would have been well worth it to me for sure. You just finished your first season at Weber. How was your first year as a college football coach? It was amazing. It was amazing. We, we had a, a very successful year. Um, we didn't, we didn't reach our goal. Um, at, to get to the, uh, the national championship, but we did make the semifinals and we played a very, very good James Madison team uh, who came out and they were a very veteran team. And 
the team, our team, we're, I'm just very excited because we've got a very young, talented team. And so we, we, we definitely even – we could be even better this year. So is the goal to win a natty? Well, I mean, we are – this This has been our third year where we won uh, the Big Sky. So we're back to back to back. And, yes, that's been – that is definitely the goal every year. But we have to take it to a next – got to take it to another level. If we want to be respected on a national level like – you know, North Dakotas and the, and the James Madisons, then we need to get to, we need to be able to step our game up uh, to another level to where we can get to, to the national championship and, and, and win it. This team coming in for 2020 was uh, picked to win the Big Sky Conference the first time ever in school history. You guys were picked to win a conference in, in the polls. Thoughts on that? I mean, it, it seems like you guys just keep moving up forward. I mean, you know, talking to some other coaches, you guys are you guys are moving forward into the playoffs and you guys are, are going farther each and every year. And so obviously the next step is to go to, to, to the national championship and winning it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, to, I, I really got, I really got lucky uh, to be able to be in this position because this was the most successful uh, season that we had um, in Weber, in Weber history. And so, you know, again, as you, as you, as you alluded to, we are just taking those, you know, we're taking those steps every year, you know, we're just getting better every year. And we have to find a way. We have to keep working and find a way to get over that hump and, and, and kind of solidify ourselves as, as one of those, those top-tier teams just in the, in the nation. So in the state, one of the top stories is the job Jay Hill has done turning around that Weber State program. He's done such a phenomenal job in the seven years he's been there. What is it like working with him? Jay Hill is amazing. He's, he's, he's just He's an amazing coach. He's an amazing teacher. Um, he's a great leader, great leader. Just everything that, you know, a coach should embody, that's what Jay Hill does. And he's just so very – it's just so very personable. You know, he's just so he, – he's, he's there for you. You know, he cares. You know, and, you know, he's, he's very – he's very particular. He's very detailed. He's very, you know, and, and – and it's just he's just another he's another uh, coach, you know, along the lines of, you know, coming from, you know, the coach Witt and coach Meyer umbrella. You know, he's just one of those other great coaches that has instilled, you know, toughness, has instilled, you know, a hard, a hard, you know, a blue collar mentality. And, you know, and he demands a lot. He demands he demands a lot out of out of his players and his coaches. And so it's it's, it's been an unbelievable experience, though, I couldn't have never imagined this. I, I would have never imagined me being, you know, in the college in the college ranks and, and actually coaching. So I'm I'm super excited. I, I couldn't ask for anything better. Well, not only that, but he's also bringing in a bunch of former players from the Utes that, like you know, with you, Quinton Ganther, Joe Dale, and then obviously Jay Hill played there too. It just seems like it's it's just another you know adding on to what Utah has done and just bringing that to Weaver State. Yeah, so it just it just kind of it does familiar uh, familiarity there. Um, uh, chemistry, it's just chemistry. We all kind of know each other. We all mesh, and we all, you know, we all get along. I love the coaching staff up at Weaver State. We are just, you know, a very diverse group, and we just we're very hungry. We're very, you know, um, we're just very excited. We're very up and you know, coming coaches that are just excited about you know these kids and excited about being able just to coach the best game in the world. What do you enjoy most about coaching football? The relationships, 
the relationships really that you build with these with these players. Um, as much as I love as much as I love football and as much you know as I want my my guys to succeed, I think building relationships you know that go beyond football is is the greatest feeling you know and you know you know these guys are young men growing you know are, are, are young boys growing into men and so they you know they're looking at us for you know that direction that guidance and so you know we have to you know go about the business every day of making sure that these kids are we're getting the most out of these kids and you know that they're doing the best you know you, they're doing their best they're putting their best foot forward every day you know with academics you know with football obviously and 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 definitely in their you know so for their social and personal lives so um i think it's it's just the joy of being around you know the guys the coaches um you know our our team facilities you know it's just it, it, there's just a vibe up there that we that we have that's just unmatched what is the biggest challenge about being a coach in college football I think trying to get, I think, you know, forcing yourself or challenging yourself to be better every day as a coach. And, you know, I know if you love it enough and if you want to be successful, you have to find a way to, you know, be better in coaching and, you know, just being a better person and being a better coach all around with so many other things that you have going on, you know, personally or, you know, whatever the case may be. Everybody lives a different life. Everybody's have come from different experiences and different walks of life. And so I think, you know, sometimes, you know, there are some, you know, um, personalities that don't mesh with other personalities. And so you have to find a way to really um, get around that and, and help them understand that we are all one. We're all one team. We're all one family. We're all, you know, in this together and we all have one goal, you know, and that's, and, and that's to win. Um, and I think, you know, and, you know, some of these guys, you know, and academics, that's, that's, that's definitely another, as you have to stay on these guys every single day, you know, and it's kind of, you know, it, it gets, it gets tedious, but at the same, but at the same time, uh, we understand that there's a, you know, kids have to understand that, you know, you know, grades, you know so, so that's what, that's what every college athlete needs to understand this across the board. You guys don't go to class, you don't go to school, you're not doing things that you're supposed to do uh, in the classroom, then you're definitely, we can't trust you. As you look at it now, we're kind of in a really weird time where we don't know, like, you know, it changes week to week, day to day, hour to hour. Do you think that there's going to be any type of college football season coming up? Well, we are preparing as if, you know, there is. For sure. Um, we have not gotten official word um, from the big sky as to whether we're just we're going to go conference only or um, if there's going to be a season at all. But we are holding we are um, holding out the optimism and, and we're holding on to the optimism that, you know, that there is a season that we at least get to play, you know, that we at least get to strap it up, um, you know, maybe even a couple games. I'm just, you know, just the way we're trending as a nation right now uh, with this whole virus is, it's just, you know, I can't say that it's a, it's a good, it's a good trend, you know, right now. And so, but at the same time, we still have to prepare our guys. We have to prepare ourselves to, to be ready to play um, if and when we do play. I can't let you go without talking about Quinton Ganther. What was it like coaching with him? 
I love man. That's one of my one of my favorite guys, man. I mean, you're not gonna get any more authentic than that guy. He give it to you raw and uncut. Like that is just him. That's his 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 style and just kind of being from you know from the bay. Those guys are, are they're cut different. So you know he's just one of those. He's one of those personalities to where. You just there's no way that you can't like him. There's no way that you can't love him. He's just he's a he's an awesome coach. Awesome coach. He's an awesome guy, and um, I love Q. What is he like during practice? As he's talking to his guys, is he one who shouts, oh, brings intense. energy, yes. or he brings a lot he, of energy? He, he he's the intense one. So not really, maybe not more of um, energy. Yeah, he brings the intensity. He brings the intensity for sure. So he's he's uh. The one where, you know, his guys, he is all up in their faces, all practice, you know, especially if they're not, if they're not doing what he's supposed to do. So, um, but it's a good thing. It's a great thing. I think every, every coach has their, you know, little, little things that they bring to the, to, to practice that just makes our practices just very enjoyable. And so. I was doing a little bit of reading and we'll end on this. I noticed that uh, on your profile page for the Utah football website, it said that you could uh, jump 35 inches vertically. Can you still do that? <laughs> Probably not right now. I actually, uh, I actually, um, I told my, I told my patella tendon back in February. Oh, so I'm not not doing a whole lot of jumping right now. Well, uh, prior to that, <laughs> could you still jump th- 35 inches? Uh, still got oh, it. That's a good, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Honestly, I don't. I, I don't think so. I'm getting kind of up there. I'll be 36 in a few years. Well, it was obviously really great uh, catching up with you and, you know, talking about your time at the University of Utah and obviously your time at Weber. I really do appreciate you jumping on, and and hopefully we'll have some college football this year. I hope so as well, Trevor. I really do, man. So everybody stay safe out there, wear your mask, and we can play football. There you go. A big thank you to Sean Harper, former Ute. Sounds like things are going really well at Weber State, and he just finished his first season on that staff. So really great to catch up with him. One other note before we get out of here that I think should be mentioned on this podcast is actually a couple of things. One, we'll go locals in the NFL first, and that is former U Alex Smith has been cleared for full football activity after his broken leg in 2018, which, as you all know, watching that documentary, Project 11, We all know how bad it was. And so that's really impressive. So I wish Alex Smith nothing but the absolute best. I hope that he can play and that I hope that he's safe. And then also uh, Jake Bentley has been named to the Maxwell Award watch list for the fourth straight season of his career. And then the number one recruit in the entire state of Utah, Kingsley Suamatea, he listed his top seven schools that he will be considering during his college recruitment. Utah is one of them. He listed the uh, three major universities in the uh, state of Utah, the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies. And then he also put in there Oregon, USC, Arkansas, and the Virginia Cavaliers. Now, keep in mind, according to 24-7, Oregon is the favorite to land Kingsley. So we'll definitely see what happens there. All right, that will do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Trevor A Sports or at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast, 
and is powered by PSLSports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.